Welcome to Fight for Brilliance, a podcast where mental health, philosophy, and our stories inspire your life of brilliance. Those are the footsteps, that's the breath, and that's the voice of today's guest out on what is now something very common for him almost on a daily occurrence, and that is a run. But it wasn't many years before this that today's guest would have never called himself a runner, and there's many other things that he would have never called himself. And here he is today, now considered an ultra runner, a sergeant in the U.S. Army, and in many ways, becoming a man that just a few short years ago, he didn't see was possible for himself, or at least he wasn't on the trajectory to become. The catalyst for him was the need to lose 200 pounds for him to be able to start chasing the first dream and the first goal that he had in front of him. So I hope you enjoy today's story with Brady Wicks called Living With the End in Mind and Getting Rid of Excuses. Brady, thanks for joining me here today, man. Good to see you. Glad to be here. Looking forward to it. I got to first start out by saying thank you for your service. I wouldn't want to start this without any other way because that is worth just coming out of the gate and mentioning right away that you are a U.S. Army paratrooper and you are committing a lot of your life and effort to our country. So I appreciate your service, man. Appreciate it. It means a lot. Thank you. Now, we're going to get into that because it's all part of your story, but uh, what I want to start with is you had a tweet that you posted on April 4th, 2023, and you said, I decided to change my life and create something worth living for. 150 pounds later, I'm now a U.S. Army paratrooper, uh, air air assault, and ultra runner. You're the only person that can make a change in your life. Don't wait. Start now. Take me back to that moment for you when you made the decision to say, I can't stay like this. So it was um, probably the fall of 2019. Um, I just finished. I used to play co- football in college. Um, I was a defensive tackle, so I was always a bigger guy. And, uh, like, of course, because of COVID and stuff, like we didn't, my team shut down, so all I was doing was going to school at this point. And... Um, I was graduating college in December of 2020. That's when, like, my time frame. And so I wasn't playing football anymore, and I was working in a jail, actually, like a correctional officer. Every time I put on my uniform, it was like I was kind of disgusted. I was, like, representing, like, law enforcement. Like, the way I looked, I'm like, this is pathetic. Why am I still this big? Like, I don't need to be this big. I'm not doing nothing in my life. I can barely tie my shoes without getting out of breath. It was it was, it was pathetic because, like, I don't need to be this big. I'm not playing football. And uh, I needed something to be proud of in my life to look back on and then, like, something to discipline me. Like, I need to change. So, a couple people in the, the department I was working for was, like, prior military. And I was talking about, like, okay, you could do Army or something. 
like, I don't know, we'll see. And I'm like, I need to, needed something to be proud of. So I'm like, all right, I was Googling Army and stuff, whatever. I remember I went out for a run that day, the April 4th. And it was like, took me like, I don't know, 17 minutes to complete a mile. I'm like, all right, I'm joining the Army. Like, I'm going to join the Army. And I gave myself a deadline. October of 2020, I'm going to be the perfect height and weight to join the Army. Because I went in the recruiting office probably back in February of 2020. And the recruiter said basically, hey, man, you need to come back after you lose about 200 pounds. I'm like, all right, I can do that. So then April 4th, I'm like, okay, this is it. I'm, I'm making a change. I'm joining the Army after I graduate college in December 2020, and I'm going to do whatever is necessary to get to that point. And I went pretty extreme with my weight loss, and we'll probably get to that, but that's that's where I had to make a change. So he kind of just he said something that <laughs> I think we'd brush over, and I don't want to brush over it. Uh, you, The recruiter said, you come back if you lose 200 pounds, and you just said, all right, I can do that. I can do that. <laughs> exactly, like. I mean, he because he didn't really. I mean, he obviously probably would have helped me, but I'm like, okay, well, all right, I, I can do that on my own. I don't need your help. Let's do it. I can do it on my own. Where does that come from for you? As far as you know, I think a lot of people would hear you need to lose 20 pounds and get overwhelmed and start thinking about who can I get to help me? What do I need to do? For you, where does that come from to just have that instinctive response of, yeah, all right, I'll go do it. Well, I just try to do play the end in mind, so I try to look. Like I try to look like ahead of like, okay, this is going to suck at this moment. Like for the next six weeks, six months to a year, it's going to suck. But in the long run, it's going to pay off. And you're going to look back and be so much happier with your life. You just did it. I look, I look ahead and like see what it's going to be like when I get there. So you basically found yourself after playing college sports that in, you know, specifically with football, did you find yourself basically still eating as if you were training and playing still? And that's probably why, Okay. I did basically when I was like, I'd call myself like a power lifter. I, I was, I could lift pretty heavy, but I just coped being big since I was a power lifter, even though like I wasn't really like an elite power lifter. It's just like my coping mechanism to keep me being big and eating what I wanted to. It's funny how we can make, we can try to make sense of our, our shit, can't we? <laughs> exactly. I was like, this is, I'm lying to myself. Like, I'm not fooling myself here. I might be fooling other people, but myself, no. So I, I'm curious too if you you know you talk about kind of just that feeling of disgust. I mean, it did you battle with weight as a kid, or was it just because you played sports and you were always, I guess, able to see the good in being bigger because you leveraged that for sport, you know, or was it something where you struggled with it and mentally, emotionally, that was like always kind of eating at you. Uh, growing up, I was honestly pretty average-sized person growing up, like elementary, middle school, and I started getting bigger uh, probably my sophomore year, just like getting taller, and I just started adding weight because I I know I needed to get big to play football, so like weight was never like something I was like insecure about or like I need to lose. I thought the bigger, the stronger, the better in football. That's how it was, so I never really like, okay, I need to drop some weight. It was just after I stopped playing football, I realized I have an issue. Military was the motivation then for you as far as, you know, this is going to be, this is the thing that I can use as a catalyst. That seems to be maybe not the first resort for everybody to say, I'm going to choose the military to be a catalyst to get healthy. Did you grow up in a military family? Is that why it even crossed your mind? Or where did that even come from that you felt like that's a good lane for you? Uh, no, sir. No, no. First one in the military, my family is just, I knew it would be 
something to discipline me. And like I said before, something I can look back later in my life and be proud of that I did and accomplished. So I was like, what's better than the military? Like, there's nothing else I'm going to feel probably more fulfilled after this journey than join the Army, whether it's five years or 20 years. I'm going I'm to join. It's going to challenge me. So that's what I was looking for. Yeah. If you can, take me back to, I'm just curious what, you know, upbringing was like for you, the family life and dynamics and just just a home life for you growing up as a kid. What was that like for you? Uh, I grew up in a small town in Alabama. Um, I have a sister, uh, mom, and my dad passed away when I was in seventh grade. So I grew up my dad in childhood and then he passed away um, middle school year. But I always grew up in sports, mm-hmm. playing football, baseball, everything on the sun, our days, weekends, summers revolved around me going to play sports. So it was always a hardworking environment. My dad worked hard every day for 12-hour days to provide for my sister. My mom was a substitute mm-hmm. teacher, but she mostly stayed home with me and my sister. Um, so it was a hardworking family, you know, blue collar. Um, so, and I just always, they've always instilled work hard in my life and treat people good. And that's just kind of how I am today and how I think I should, people should live their life. So. Sorry to hear about your dad, man. It's good. You get used to it after a long time ago, but when you're in that so young, you don't realize the importance of like a family member losing in your life. But now you kind of see it and like, okay, what kind of man do I want to become or what kind of father do I want to become? Because I didn't really have that father figure growing up. So now I'm just trying to model myself how man I want to be and maybe my future kids. You, you got to see that, you know, that he was a hard worker and to me, you took that into your life and that's probably the most important aspect, right? Exactly. Most of the people that I know that have made big changes in their lives over the years, almost all of them choose a, I guess I would call it temporary boredom in exchange for what it is that they really want in exchange for those long-term goals that they're determined to move toward. And what I mean by that is they stick to similar routines, whether that's training routines or things in business, or if that's the same nutrition each day, they simplify their decision-making. They simplify their life. They don't complicate it by always changing things up. And I think a lot of us don't end up sticking with the changes that we're trying to make because we just get bored. If it's trying to become healthy, we get bored eating right. We get bored with the workouts and that boredom is the feeling that makes us feel like we are suffering. But in a lot of ways, the simpler that we keep things, the easier the change is to make. Dr. Brad Benner of Therapy Group of New York City wrote this in an article. Creating predictable scenarios through habits allows your mind to adjust, understand what to expect, and alleviate anxiety over the unknown. Or a little bolder way to say that would be in the words of boxing legend Muhammad Ali when he said, I hated every minute of training, but I said, don't quit, suffer now, and live the rest of your life as a champion. The number 200 pounds to lose is quite a bit. And what what does that look like to start that path for you? So did, did you go home and throw away anything out of the cupboards in the fridge that you shouldn't have? And what did, what did, how did it start? Take me back to that. So I guess it started with me. Um, obviously, I was still in the weight room, but I realized I had to add 
cardio into my plan. And I just, I don't know why, I just didn't look up like, oh, a six-week, six-month diet plan to lose weight. I was like, okay, I'm getting my fitness pal, and I'm going to eat no more than 1,800 calories a day until I lose 200 pounds. And I tracked everything I ate. So it started out, I went extreme from day one. It was like I'd weigh out maybe 100 grams of chicken, maybe a half a cup of rice and tuna and an apple. was like what I stuck with for like, I don't know, probably a good four months, like extreme, extreme. I didn't. Just mm-hmm. one meal a day. I'd eat like maybe a Nature Valley bar before I went and ran. Other than that, it was just the chicken, the half a cup of rice, and some tuna and an apple. It's funny, man, because I, you know, I didn't, I wouldn't say that I was super out of shape, but when I started to train for triathlons when I was mm-hmm. 27, 28, I wasn't, you know, there is a, there is a more optimal physique and body weight to have to, <laughs> to do enduring sports, right? And so I wasn't where I needed to be. And I, I did almost the same thing as far as I stuck with the same food every day for, I mean, I would veer off on some weekends sometimes here and there, but for the most part, give me five, six days of the week. It was one, it was chicken and salads and eggs in the morning. Like it was always the same thing. People get bored with the routine, but did you, do you find that like, that having that predictable routine is what helps you actually just not have to have the guesswork and not have the ebbs and flows of this isn't working. Did it, I mean, being rigid, it helped, right? 100%. Because I knew if I was losing weight at that, that, like that low of calories, I would never plateau. Like I continue to drop weight because it's working. So, like, and I knew I was going to eat, I knew what I needed to buy. So it was pretty easy. And the what I did back then, the one meal a day top deal, I still do today. Like I've ate the same meal probably for the past two years, same exact meal. Like I don't. The only time I change is maybe when I'm in the field in the army, and even then I'll still bring food out there that kind of similar to what I eat at home. But I still eat one meal a day, the same meal. Is there any part of you that does that out of fear that? I could slip if I let myself bring in some of these other things that I'll slip back into being the old Brady or no. One hundred percent. I tell my girlfriend all the time, like, hey, like, why? She's like, why do you do this sometimes? Like, have a, you know a day? You know, you ran fifteen miles in one. You can eat or what? I'm like, I know one meal won't do it, but I'm just so afraid deep down that it could go back to my old Brady, my old self, and it just, I guess it. I'm scared of going back to that, so I just I don't want to. I don't want to go back, so I just continue my like a strict habit every day. Do you feel like that? that I'm curious about if the, the fear of going back to like where you were, is that, do you feel like that's sort of a, like a demon that you have to face? It's a thorn in your side or is it actually sort of a blessing in disguise of like this? It's a healthy paranoia that keeps you on track, which where do you kind of land with that? I I think I'm right on the fence. I think it's great because I'm always going to stay strict to my schedule no matter what i'm gonna get my run in i'm gonna get my workout in i'm gonna eat my normal foods i don't care what the scenario is what happens in this world i'm getting that done but also like i think sometimes i can be a little bit too extreme like okay if i don't eat this and i'm if i eat this cookie i'm going back to old brady and i can't ever like have fun or you know maybe with her or whatever but i'm always stick to my thing my my plan i think it's honestly more of a blessing than anything so let's we're we're talking about the run, the running side of it because I thought it was hilarious <laughs> in a maybe you didn't but to to read your story and to know that you know that first time you went for a run how tough it was for you 
think think back to that day on that that run so you're like okay i gotta lose weight i need cardio how painful was that first run for you and how like mentally defeating was it to 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 see what happened it was miserable i was like okay i'm in decent shape i played football i can do some sprints you know that kind of cardio i was like all right i'm gonna go for like a mile run probably because i lived about a mile mile and a half from the college i went to so I'm going to go run to school and run back. And I made it probably, I don't know, tenth of a mile. And I just thought, like, this, this is terrible. Like, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, and I've just, I've walked and ran through the mile, but I'm like, this is going to be a rough, it's going to be a rough journey. <laughs> yeah. So did you feel like, did you have any moment where you were thinking, not that it's just that it's going to be a rough journey, but it's like, uh, I don't know if I can even do this. This, this is going to be an impossible journey. I didn't because I knew if I continued to drop weight and the running would get easier. I just had to stay at it. Like greatness doesn't happen overnight. So I just had to stay at it and I knew eventually I'd get there. The, let's see, it was, and you went from that, which is funny to think about listening to you talking about, you know, I could hardly walk, run it (laughs) to, was it March 25th is when, is that when you tackled your, um, the 50 miler? Yes, sir. March 25th. I mean, you think about the day that you go out for that first run and the day you finish that 50 miler, like walk me through the emotions when you reflect on that. Like, like the, honestly, most of my race out, that was in the back of my head. Like, wow, look how far I've came. Like, I don't want to get like too content, but like, wow, this is pretty, pretty awesome. And I remember the last mile loop because it was a, um, a one mile loop for the 50 mile and I'm here crossing the finish line. I'm like almost tear, but basically tears of joy. Like, wow, look, I, I literally couldn't used to run a mile and I just ran 50. Like, pretty, I was pretty happy that day. So it was good to look back on and see the progress. Hold on. It was a one mile loop. Yes, sir. 1.1 1. 1 mile loop. Stop. You had to do that, you know, 40, whatever, six times or whatever comes out. I don't yes, know how sir. many loops that comes out to. How like many loops 48 loops, actually. 48 loops. There you go. 48 loops. <laughs> Okay, the fifty yeah. miles is hard enough, but the mental the mental hurdle of doing that same thing forty eight times that's not that's not fun. It was uh it was at least a decent like I guess scenery, but after about a, a marathon, and I'm like, this, can I at least go the other way or something? But nope, same same loop, same path, nothing changed. It's funny. I did a 41 miler on my 41st birthday and I did a four mile loop here around the neighborhood. And even that I was like, you know, 10, 10, 10 loops or whatever it was. I was like, this is getting boring. I was laughing because you posted a video and you were, um, I think you were at mile 15 on your video and you said almost there. Well, (laughs) 35 miles left. Close enough. I feel like I was getting an insight into the mental game that you were playing with yourself where you're like, I am almost there. <laughs> you know? I was like, okay, I've ran 15 miles all the time in my training. Okay, we can do another 15, another 15. We're getting there. Currently 15 miles in, 35 miles to go. Still maintaining about a 1040, 1045 pace. So pretty good. Get my fluids and my gels in me. So let's get it. Almost there. Well, 35 to go, but almost there. Close enough. And now getting dark out the left of an ultra runner 8 30 on a saturday night march 25th i'm 49.7 miles from reaching my goal of 50 miles there's only a handful of us out here in a while because it was easy 
everyone would be doing this, but it's not. Let's go. You did it. <laughs> How you feel? Like a million bucks. <laughs> 50 miles. Eventually, we all have to accept full and total responsibility for our actions. Everything we have done and have not done. That quote is from author Hubert Selby. You know, in this conversation with Brady, I was becoming more and more curious on how did this 25-year-old already have this mental toughness and foresight to know the benefit of putting himself in situations where he is going to be uncomfortable and he's going to be challenged greatly. I mean, I've known a lot of men and women that are far beyond his age who never embraced that law of nature that says growth requires discomfort, challenges, and obstacles. And I think what you'll hear from Brady's story is that he still had his limitations just like we all do, but excuses are a deliberate choice for us to allow our limitations to hold us back from the life that we want. And Brady, he hasn't been choosing those excuses. And so I wanted to find out who or what shaped this mental toughness and ability to choose and embrace challenges in his life. You haven't made anything easy. So like you're, you choose something where you have to lose. You didn't have a choice. Like you, you couldn't just skirt by and lose 50 pounds, which is still a great feat, right? For somebody probably, I mean, you, you chose something where you have to lose so much weight and then you choose things like this 50 miler where it's a one mile loop. It's not even a, you know, 25 mile run that you do twice. Like what is it? Do you ever think about one? Is there something about you that you feel like you're wired to just pick the really hard things? To, and then two, what's the benefit that you feel like you get from choosing the harder path, knowing they're choosing the harder path, you know? Oh, for me, I try to, Try to view it like uh, like a movie per se. Like, okay, if I was ninety years old right now or whatever, like looking back at my life, like would I be proud of the things I've done? Like anybody can work your normal nine to five and raise a family. Like that's great and all, but like I don't I don't want to just do that. I want to do something more. Like we're only here for a limited time. Like might as well make it worth it. Let's let's do something tough and look back and be proud of yourself and what you've done and make life interesting. Like you only get one shot at this. Let's. Do something cool with it. Make some memories. Do something hard. It's just kind of how I see it, and pretty much. You weren't showing that though by anybody, were you? Per se. Oh no, absolutely not. Okay, so where? Okay, does it just did it just come up inside of you as you start stepping towards these things, realizing that's the way you're wired, or did you? Is it from reading? Is it from just online influences? Like, did you have any sort of? even just um, kind of looking on to someone else's life that you saw something, you're like, I could do that. I could be like that. Or did this just come up inside of you? Not really. I, um, it was mostly like just me. Cause it's like the weight loss and that whole journey of like from April of 2020 until I left for basic training in December of 2020, there was like nobody that I was like watching or listening to. Yes. When I got out of the artwork, um, after basic training, I listened to some David Goggins stuff. Of course, everyone knows who he is, but, Nobody was really like a main influence of why I did what I did. It was just honestly just myself. And now, of course, you see stuff online, but now, but no, nothing in the beginning. No. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of fascinating to me just to, you know, I think everyone, you know, we're all wired differently, but at the end of the day, 
it's either an excuse, right, that you are making to to not make a change, or you know, like the excuse of I don't have, I didn't have somebody to show me this, you know, you didn't have a a father later, you know, for a lot of your life here, and and you won't, and you're still saying that's okay. I'm still, I, I don't have to see that to decide what kind of father I'm going to be. You know, you're taking responsibility, I guess, is what it comes down to for your own life, right? Ultimately, hundred percent. Because like, no one really cares about. I mean, yeah, you have friends and family, but like everybody's doing their own crap in life. Like the only one that's really going to do anything about it is yourself, the man in the mirror, and that's just the way I see it. Like no one's coming to help me. No one's coming to do this for me. It's just it falls back on myself at the end of the day. It's pretty liberating, isn't it, when you start to think about the idea that you know you don't have to do this so that everyone else applauds and approves because if they only care maybe for that moment or to give you that little accolade, but they really don't, they have their own stuff going on. It's liberating to live like that and just know like, <laughs> right. It's pretty nice. Honestly, like, I mean, yeah, I'll play post or share like a 50 mile or something I did in the army, but like, yeah, you might whatever, but like it's for myself, like no one else, like they don't really care. They might say congrats, yeah. but the next hour they're going to forget you even did it, but I know I won't forget it. And I know I did it. So, Talk to me a little bit about the training to the goal that you had to become, you know, a paratrooper and, you know, air assault. Like, talk to me about the journey with that. Um, maybe even the parallels of that with your running and just the challenges that you've had to overcome. What was it like for you? Um, so the airborne, the paratrooper, that was in my contract when I joined. So as soon as I graduated from OSIT or basic training, I was shipped immediately to Fort Benning to do airborne training. And then I, once I got in my first duty station, um, I realized I wanted something else too. But like the air assault, it's kind of harder to get in the Army, like just to send you because they got to pay for you to go. So I was training pretty hard for it, like getting ready for it. I didn't know when I was going to go, but I knew I wanted to go. Um, and then I won a few army competitions with three other soldiers. We traveled to like different bases and we won these competitions. It's like pretty prestigious competitions. And we actually won a slot to go to air assault school. So I found out probably August, September of last year that I was going to go, but I didn't know when. So it's kind of unknown. So I just kept training and tra- training for it. And then it finally came in uh, February now. So I don't, I don't have to get ready if I just stay ready all the time. So that's kind of how I, me running in all these sports. If I'm always ready, I don't really gotta, I gotta get ready for this day. I just try to stay ready. Yeah. Cause you had the unknown, right? The unknown of, exactly. I don't know for sure if I get this or when mm-hmm. I get this. So I just have to be ready if they say, yeah, you're, you're on like go, right? Exactly. hundred percent. That's probably harder than when you know you get to train for it. And like, whether it's a race or it's, you know, the assault, like, if you knew, okay, in two months you get to be, you get to go do something or get to step towards the goal or cheat or at least attempt it, right? That's easier to know. There's an end, right? Yeah, it's easy because you can, you know, map your training plan out. Okay, I got two months to get ready for this. Okay, I can, I can afford maybe take this day off or I can go to harder this day and recover. But if you don't know, you're like, okay, I got to do this every day because it could be tomorrow when I'm going. It's a little tougher because you don't. It's kind of unknown. You're living on offense all the time. Exactly. You are. Because like, yeah. if I call my number right now, I, I need to be ready. You know, my fear in sharing a story like Brady's is just the potential disconnect that can happen. You know, you can hear his story and be thinking, 
All right, well, that's great for him, but I've never had to, and I won't likely ever have to lose 200 pounds. Or, you know, I'll never, ever be a runner, and especially I'm never going to run a 50-mile race like Brady did. You know, these headlines for the stories like this, they're interesting, and they grab our attention, but they often feel far removed from what most of our realities look like. But I do think that if you listen closely, you're going to hear your story in Brady's story. You're going to hear your story of what it's like to become stronger through challenges as you recall your own moments like that. And you're going to hear what it's like to doubt yourself on your way to trying to make changes and become better in your life and be able to recall that feeling even in your own life too at the times that you felt that because it's something that we all battle with, even Brady. What has this journey for you shown you that you didn't realize about yourself? Uh, that's easy. So honestly, growing up and even like sometimes now, sometimes I have self-doubt about myself. Just I kind of think, okay, I don't know if I can do this. And overall, this journey, losing weight, join the Army, going to aerosol school, then I'm actually capable more, more than I think. And I don't give myself enough credit. I kind of I don't, I, I, I upplay the obstacle in my head and I downplay myself and I realize I probably should be more, giving myself more credit for what I can do and I'm capable more than I can do. Like going to aerosol school, I knew some of the tasks might be difficult and I was like, I don't know if I can actually do this and I get there and I do it the first time I try because I actually give myself some credit and kind of have some more positive self-talk instead of negative self-talk. I think that's worth and kind of highlighting too would be the idea of, your this the acknowledgement that there's self-doubt in you there you know because it's easy to hear you talk and look at what you're doing what you've been able to accomplish the goals you're stepping toward the way you're living on offense all the time and yeah. say oh he just this guy just is wired different he's, he's he doesn't have the same doubts that i do about myself like so you you struggled even with the self-doubt stuff growing up or was it just later on as you're trying to tackle some of these other things Growing up and like yeah, mostly now though, as I've gotten older and I've faced more tasks in life, I just have that doubt in my mind. Like I don't know if I can do this until I actually do it. But I'm definitely not all the time like, oh, I can do this. Like I'm probably more like negative on myself personally than anybody else. It's like I don't know if I can do this. In life, people kind of hide themselves up too much in their self and they don't do it because they kind of downplay an obstacle. Where I'm kind of opposite. I overplay an obstacle but downplay myself, which I think that gives me kind of an advantage because I don't you know, think I'm better than anything or better than this task or whatever, kind of treat everything equally. So that's something that you, you would, you kind of realized maybe uh, from a, almost like one of those shadow sides of us, right. That you have where it's like, okay, this is part of me, this self doubt thing. I've got to be aware of this. What about where you're at surprises you in a good way? Uh, that's, that's, that's a tough one. I think just doing things that I'm like, I'm not sure of like, like growing up and playing like football, I'm always just kind of did what I know I could do. I played football, I go to school, but now like I tried to, I joined the army. Like I would try to, I ran 50 miles doing things that like just kind of unknown and just doing just different things that I'm not comfortable with kind of being out of my comfort zone and just tr giving it a shot. And what happens happens. And if I give my best effort, that's all I can ask for instead of always, trying to, you know, do this. And if I don't do it all, I'm going to be mad at myself. Just give it a shot. I used to be always, I got to do this. I got to do this and pass this or accomplish this. Now it's like, I'm going to try it. If it don't happen, great. But I'm going to give it the best I can.
Okay, so you give yourself some permission to, like, if you would have, if you would have failed at the, you wouldn't have got through the fifty mile race. Let's say, did you did you proactively already prepare yourself mentally for? Hey, I'm going to try this. I might fail, but I'm going to try it. And how are you mentally handling the idea of like, I might fail and that's okay. Like you're actually okay with that. I mean, I, I don't want to fail, but I think it's just part of it. I think you're, you gotta, you're going to have to learn somehow if you've always been successful and you never know, know how to like overcome something. So no, that definitely wasn't in my head. I envisioned myself crossing the finish line. And I was going to finish regardless, but I think failure is, is good for you. I think it's, part of life and then you've got to experience failure too. I think it makes for a greater story as well as experiencing some failures, some hardships in your life. But for the 50 mile race, I was going to finish whether it took me 24 hours or 48 hours. I was going to cross that finish line regardless for the 50 mile. What would you say to somebody who is saying, I don't have enough time. I don't have, I guess the willpower. Um, what would you say to somebody just to make change in their life? Not doesn't have to be losing the weight. It could be, Hey, I'm going to start showing up better for my, my kids. I'm going to start treating my spouse or partner better. You know, um, what would you say to someone that's making excuses just saying, I don't have it in me to be better, to change. So I try to, this is what I use for myself too sometimes, or actually a lot of times I try to view it as like, I try to use honestly death to myself as like a motivation. Like, Hey man, we're going to die one day. Is this inevitable? It's going to happen. So like, why don't you do these things while you're here and make something out of yourself? Like you're not going to be here. You might not be here five months from now. So like, let's do it now. Like it, you're not going to be guaranteed to be here tomorrow. So, and then envision yourself nine, 90 years old and looking back at your life. Would you be proud of the man that you became and what you've done? Or you skipped out on treating your wife good or, you know, doing this job, you kind of just loused around your whole life. Would you be proud of that person? And like, who cares what everybody else thinking? Would you be proud of yourself? Is that how you want to be remembered yourself? I think that's the best thing I can give to anybody. Because you can say all these little, I'll work hard for this, work hard for that. But like, how would you feel? You're personally, who cares what your dad, your mom, your girlfriend, do it for yourself. Like, how do you feel about yourself? You don't need nobody else to be proud of. You just need yourself to be proud of you. More than once, Brady talks about living with the end in mind and making his decisions based on how his choices today will impact him, not just right now, but also beyond today. The philosophers of Stoicism believed the same. It might not even be a stretch to say that they believed that you can live a better life and even improve your outlook on life by thinking about death more, thinking about the end in mind more. The Stoicism practice of contemplating death and not fearing it, this was a tool to help get the most out of life. The Emperor Marcus Aurelius wrote, It is not death that a man should fear, but he should fear never beginning to live. Or you can consider these words from Seneca, A man cannot live well if he knows not how to die well. You know, I didn't think to ask Brady if he studies Stoicism, but even if he doesn't, the way that he acknowledges the uncertainty and brevity of our time on this earth and how he leverages that to help him make the most of the life and the time that he has, that embodies the very nature of these ancient philosophers. And I think it's a beautiful reminder for each of us. What are some of the mental and I guess daily, daily mental practices 
you know, physical practices, like the things you put into place in your life that keep you on track? Um, I journal every day. I have like a, a log. I do. I do. Um, and then I have like, so eat, literally each day, like going back to January of 21, I've journaled mm. like literally every day of my life. And um, I have like a training log for my runs, maybe some quotes here and there. And then like basically what I did for the day and work and what I need to improve on, what I liked about what I did and how I handled the situation. So I think that's one of the biggest things is honestly journaling and kind of just, and then uh, like in the nighttime before I go to bed in the morning, I'd kind of get up and just kind of have five minutes to myself and just think about, okay, what I did today. And then when I get up, like what I need to do today, just kind of enjoy that, the quietness and peacefulness. What's talk to me about journaling that process. Just, you know, first of all, you started just doing that on your own or you, you were spurred on by somebody else to start journaling or how'd that come about? No, it was, it was about around the time when I kind of started like posting on Twitter um, not even actually before then, and I was like, I kind of want a way to document my life and what I've done. Um, I had kind of a bad accident, uh, a parachute or a, a airborne accident. I broke my wrist. I fell from like 200 feet with no parachute. I had a parachute malfunction, uh, November of 21. And so, like, I started wanting to journal about like my life and what I've done. So that's kind of how. That's basically when I honestly started it. Around like that's when I got deep into it. I mean, 200 feet, your, your shoot just didn't go out and, or what? Um, it, so I had a, a kind of a partial malfunction when I exit the aircraft and I landed on somebody else's parachute, which is, it's not normal, but it does happen. And they teach you how to get off of it. And I was bouncing off of her parachute and I was so close to ground. I tried to pull my reserve parachute. It didn't deploy because it was so close to ground and my main parachute uh, deflated when I was on her parachute. So I hit the ground from about 200 feet, 200 feet up, essentially no parachute. And all that happened was I shattered my wrist and I had a concussion. So I'm pretty, pretty blessed to just walk away with a broken wrist. So, yeah, I mean, you get through something like that. I would feel like that's a little unnerving and makes you kind of wonder, am I supposed to be doing this? <laughs> I, I know, and I've actually jumped uh, eight times since the incident, so I've kind of got over that, and that doesn't really bother me anymore. But it was, <laughs> it was, it was rough. But I was going to say I would have a hard time feeling like I'm choosing the right path here right now. <laughs> <laughs> how how far how high up are you normally? You know, deploying from? Uh, we jump at about about twelve hundred feet typically. Okay, so you so it's. It's a lot different than your normal like skydiving. Yeah, a lot different. That's pretty low, and so you're you're pulling the chute pretty quick, then, right? So actually, um, in airborne operations, it's a static line we're hooked up to, and our chute we don't pull nothing. It deploys on its own within six seconds. Only thing we can pull is our reserve parachute if the main one doesn't deploy. Okay. Okay, I didn't know that. That's pretty. That's pretty fascinating. Um, so we can't like turn it like a skydive and like like land on our feet like we have to we land hard and like just hit the ground like we only thing we can pull is really is like say if the wind's blowing to the left we can kind of pull to the right to kind of go a little bit to the right more but we don't guide the parachute like you see on like skydiving now it's pretty rough like not nothing similar to that <laughs> there's nothing nothing about your life that is you know easy <laughs> you're choosing all of these things or like Oh, they're in control. And then if I have to, I have a reserve one. And as you found out, sometimes the reserve one doesn't deploy. 
It's out of my control at that point, so. <laughs> I mean, I think you're probably, there's a, there's a luxury to the life you are getting to live so young, knowing so many things are out of your control. I think anybody in this world wants to be in control of their life, but I realize, like, wow, I don't have much control of my life at all. Like, so the things I am in control of, I want to be good at it, but there's, yeah, my whole life is pretty much controlled from what I do, what time I get off, where I need to go, when, where, everything. So it's kind of, it's kind of freeing though, you know, like, okay, like, hey, we're in charge here. Do this, do that. Let's, let's do it. Like, for me, I've always said it's the way that I start my day, the way I end my day, and the way I respond to everything in between. Like, that's all I can control. And you take away all these other things, and then you can kind of just look life happen and then you get to choose your reaction to it right 100 that's like you hit the nail on the head with it like i think less is more so if i have less things i got to worry about i can focus on the yeah. main things like my running and all that stuff everything else is pretty much already controlled no matter if i'm running on the treadmill i'm running on the trail i'm running on the road if i'm running i'm smiling Think about your identity for a second and some of the labels that you might wear. Now, what happens if you lose that label? What happens if your business fails and you no longer have the label of a business owner? Or maybe your marriage doesn't work out and you no longer have the label of a husband or a wife. Or your athleticism and strength fades and you no longer have that label or identify as an athlete. So who are you now? This is something that I have thought a lot about and the, the priority that we place sometimes on identity and these labels. And so this was a conversation that I got into with Brady and I challenged him with that same question of what happens if you lose it? And so he and I explore this topic of identity and I think what Brady has to say reminds us that there has to be more to us than the labels that we take on. Take away the running. Like, how do you still find joy and how do you still find, you know, that like fulfillment and peace in your life knowing I'm doing the best I can with what I, with where I'm at right now, you know? It's tough. Like, I love going to the gym. I love working out, but I just doesn't, I don't feel as good as ice going for a run. So it, it's tough and I just try to find... I think the biggest thing is I'll try not to identify with one thing. And that's a problem I've had in the past. Like right now, like I can identify I'm a runner. Like that's what I've known as or whatever mm. to myself. But like, I try not to just be known as I try to be find other things. Let's go for a bike ride or let's, you know, go to the coffee shop and read, find other outlets other than just running. Cause like you said, it might not be there one day. Yeah. That is something that doesn't get talked about enough of, how quickly we take on these identities. Yes. It's like, right, Brady? Like, okay, I am a paratrooper, right? <laughs> I am yes. a runner. Like, that can get, it can get dangerous, right? Absolutely, because it's all you're, like, known as. And if you don't have that, then what am I? And I don't like to think that way. I want to be more than just my job or more than a runner. I want to be, like, identify as a, a good human being, a good person more than those things. What are you doing to, I guess... If you're, I mean, if you can realize this at 25 years old, first of all, and start to identify, like, okay, I can't just be identify. My identity can't just be this. Are you doing things right now where you're at all dreaming up and thinking about like who do who am who is Brady? 
who am I? And apart from running, apart from military, like who am I? Do you, do you dig into that at all in your life yet, right now? All the time. I think that's more important to me than those other things. And like, who am I outside of my work and my working out that that's, I think that's more important to me at the end of the day. Like who is Brady Wicks actually than those things. Who is he? I, I like to be known as somebody who's just pretty laid back, nice to everybody, friendly, gets along with anybody, and uh, pretty optimistic, positive, regardless of the situation. I think that's what I want to be memorized, remembered as more than anything else. And somebody that works hard and just a good person to be around. I think that means more than anything else. This journey that you've been on, uh, has it impacted the way that you think about what truly matters in life and how you approach just everything now, um, knowing where you've been, where you're at, where you want to be, has it changed what truly matters in your life? Absolutely. I think um, it, it changed a lot. Like I try not to focus on like the small things and little, the bumps in the road and try to focus on what really means to me. Like is, you know, my fitness, my health, my relationships with like my, my family and then you can put your works great and all, but you don't want to put like work and all, you don't want to be defined as that. So I think I've I've narrowed down the things that really mean something to me instead of focus on these outside distractions and this and that and worrying about these small things that's out of my control. Focus on what really matters in my life and not uh, look at the worrying about the small things. Last thing I guess I'd ask you would be this would be what's the story of Brady that you hope people tell? Just a story of somebody that overcame something and somebody that had self-doubt and wasn't honestly worthless and then overcame and became something that he could, he was proud of and um, overcame many obstacles and think back and inspire somebody like, hey, if this human being can do it, I can do it. So I think that's what I want somebody to be remembered as that, you know, I took something from nothing, nobody, over overweight, didn't really have a plan in my life and then became something. I don't think we all need a hero speech you know exactly we do need to hear we need an overcomer to can say hey yesterday i did i felt terrible about, about my body i felt terrible about myself and today you know i chose to approach it differently like that's the normal human experience right absolutely like just because you see somebody doing these great things and whatever it is Deep down, we all have our own issues, and I have more than enough issues I deal with every day, but you might not see it, but everybody does. Brady, man, I appreciate you, and I just so enjoyed getting to know you. So thank you for you know just giving me the time to do this with you, and then just entrusting just your journey, your story. Uh, I find it just immensely rewarding to just hear the things that people go through to get to where they're at, and so... Thank you for uh, bringing me into your space there today, man. I appreciate you having me on. I really enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Brady. You can connect with him, and I would encourage you to do so. Send him a message. Let him know that you're cheering him on. Most importantly, thank him for his service. You can find the links for his Twitter and Instagram inside of the show notes, or if you're at fightforbrilliance.com, listening to this episode, it is right there inside of the show description. And as always, you can find the links there to connect with me on social media. Uh, the handle is at Keller Thinks. All past episodes can be found wherever you listen to podcasts, or you can go to fightforbrilliance.com forward slash episodes. 
And also you can find all of the episodes on YouTube as well. So be sure to like, follow, or subscribe depending on where you are checking out the podcast. Thanks always for being a part of this and this community. I hope you've been enjoying uh, the episodes and the mixture of the stories. And if you have questions for those episodes that I do with my therapist called Not Therapy with My Therapist, you can go to fightforbrilliance.com forward slash ask and you can submit questions there or on Instagram, you can click the contact and you can send a text or you could even call and leave a voice message to submit questions for those episodes or send show ideas, comments. I would love to hear from you and continue to make this something that uh, you enjoy being a part of and adds value to your life. As always, I'll leave you with your weekly challenge and that is fight for brilliance in every area of your life.